Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Check the guys out live weekday mornings from 6 to 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, ESPN Radio. Guys, uh, Mike T. is back with us. Uh, Mike Tannenbaum, we've been playing this sound today a little bit, reacting to it. Because after the game, Patriots beat the Bills 14-10, threw the ball three times, completed two passes against the Bills, but ran it 46 times for better than 200 yards. And Sean McDermott, Bills head coach at the postgame press conference, was asked what he thought of Bill Belichick's game plan. Shots on the broadcast of you, very visibly frustrated and, and animated. How would you just explain the, the psychological component of coaching against Bill Belichick, especially when he's doing something like that, just running the ball constantly? Let's not give more credit than we need to give credit to Bill Belichick in this one. It was, um, whether it's Bill or anybody else, they beat us, right? But you sit here and you tell me when they start with the average starting, when we start with the average starting field position at the 40-yard line and he starts with the 23-yard line, and I'm rounding up in both cases, and we were 1 for 4 in the red zone and they were 0 for 1 in the red zone, you give me that ahead of time, I'm saying I like my chances. I like my chances. So it's not, I don't think, with all due respect, it's not a Bill Belichick type thing. It's what are you doing with the opportunities you got? What are you doing with the opportunities you got? We turned the ball over at the plus 30-some yard line. Sloppy football. Mike T., when I hear that, like I, what I'm interested in is you're the GM of a team and your coach says that, which to me not only is saying, hey, I outcoached him, but his players executed and mine didn't. The more I listen to it, the more I hear him throwing his team under the bus. You're the GM of a team. Your coach says that. What do you think? Yeah, those are conversations that hopefully you have a lot of equity where it's a partnership and you could just close the door and say, hey, man, you're, you're frustrated. You're pissed. Like, come see me. Like, that's what I'm here for. Like, get anything off your chest. Like, we used to do that. You know, any of the coaches I work with, we used to joke we have couch in my office for a reason, close the door and let, let it rip. You know, what's ever on your mind, media, players, agents, owner, whatever is getting you upset. And – uh Sean McDermott's done a great job, but obviously he was frustrated. And let's face it, like for the other coaches, and I lived in the AFC East for over 20 years, there's a little Bill Belichick fatigue, which is, you know, if you're Sean McDermott, every day you're getting up answering a question about can you beat New England, can you get over the hump, can you beat Bill Belichick? And I'm sure last night they had a massive opportunity. They had the better quarterback, the bigger quarterback. They're at home, home field advantage, and they lost. And that was probably about nine months of frustration pouring out of his soul in that answer. Belichick fatigue key because he's wearing them out. He's wearing them out for 20 years. It's not even that he's wearing them out for 20 years. The moment that he gave you an option to rent the conference, you rented it, but you thought you could buy it from him with an option. And Belichick said, nah, you know what? This offseason, I'm going to rethink how I want to lay this conference out. I'm going to go and I'm going to spend some money. I'm going to remodel the whole entire team. And then I'm going to go and I'm going to get my house back. And taking my house, it off the market. My, my house is the conference. I'm taking it off the market. When Sean McDermott actually thought, oh, we're going to buy this beautiful house called the AFC Conference. I mean, or better yet, the AFC Division East. It's like, well, no, because much like you said, you were 1-4 in four in the red zone against their 0-1 in the red zone, but you to take advantage of your opportunities that was given to you in Bill B. did. But see, Mike, this is why I get frustrated at the Bills, right? Because I just don't feel personnel-wise like they're built to win. Like they're not committed to the run game. And, you know, we were talking about in the earlier hour, Zach Moss, you talk about Singletary. 
those are just tiny guys. Five, seven, five, seven, five, nine. Like, you know, I, I go back to Javante Williams, a guy that plays for the Broncos that was a, a bell cow that obviously last Sunday had a huge game even though they lost. I'm like, there's a back for you that can run in between the tackles, can punish you. And I don't know why they're still not trying to find a way to do that aspect of their game instead of just having Josh Allen try to do everything. Yeah, no, that's fair. And to take that same thought, go to the other side of the ball. Like, here's a fatal flaw. And I've been there, guys, on both ends of this. When you can't stop the run on defense, there is nothing worse in the NFL. And the Indianapolis Colts, did you hear what Frank Reich said after they played him? He's like, once I realized they couldn't stop Jonathan Taylor, he called 19 consecutive runs on first and second down. Bill Belichick was running the ball in pregame. He was running the ball during the game. He was running the ball when they were flying back to Foxborough. <laughs> the big key now for Buffalo is every other opponent's going to try the same thing. Yep. And players like Tremaine Edmonds, who's great in space, great athlete, he's going to have to take on a fullback. He's going to have to take on – because teams are going to run the ball against Buffalo until they can't. Yeah, and, they, and, and the thing is, from Buffalo's standpoint – from an offensive side on for the ball for them, they wanted to show that Josh Allen could play in that weather, and that was where they made their mistake. They should have realized from an offensive standpoint to run the ball with Singletary and Zach Moss. Force your will on them, <clears throat> just like the New England Patriots did to them. Rather than say to themselves, we're going to throw into the wind because we got the big, strong quarterback that can pierce it through there, you make mistakes by doing that. The conversion rate was not as high as they wanted it to be. If they were now getting to second and medium, third and short, like New England, they would have converted so many first downs and being able to push the ball down the field at will instead of getting there and now having no answer when they get to the 25-yard line. So No answer. Mike T., so Bill Belichick has asked, was this this morning? Um on how he was feeling, yeah, it must have been because it was after the win last night on WEEI, yeah, the morning. Greg Hill show, so it was this morning. He was asked on how he was feeling. Listen to Belichick, who must have known what McDermott said post-game by now. Listen to Belichick's response. Doing well. How are you this morning? Yeah, a little, little run down, but good. Good. Yeah, Late last you? night last night, but a good one. Little run down, but good. <laughs> uh He's referring to the run game there, right? I mean, I cannot 100%. take that literally. Right? Oh, Belichick, like that's my pro- – if I'm the GM, Mike, if, I, if I'm in your position and he was a, my coach, I'd be like – I might have to be like, by the way, when you do that, you're just giving it to him. You're giving it to him, right? Like you're, you're reacting and being reactive to the – reactionary to the media and everything was- and – yeah, no, I totally get that, Max. There was something that happened last night that was weird after the game. Did you see Jordan Poyer um, and Micah Hyde, who are yeah. two really good like They had a thing with the media, too. I, I think what we saw last night was institutional angst of, like, everything Key just talked about. Like, we're the Buffalo Bills. This is our division. And I think what they got – they got hit in the face last night. And, yeah. boy, I think what McDermott said and Poyer and Hyde, like, they had really bad body language after the game. Mike, when we get into heavy personnel, though – why are we in, in heavy personnel jumbo packaging, but they're not they're in a sub package almost on the defensive side? Is it that they don't have the personnel? Because if Nikhil Harry's the only receiver on the field, then we only gonna put one DB on the field. We're gonna have a strong safety and a load of linebackers to stop the run. But for whatever reason, that wasn't the case, it seemed like many times with Buffalo last night. Yeah, key. I think Coach Belichick, the genius sometimes is in his simplicity. Six offensive linemen and a fullback. And until you stop it, 
we're going to keep doing it. Like, it wasn't like, they didn't even try to fake it. Like, there weren't a lot of misdirection. There weren't a lot of boots. There weren't a lot of reverses. It was like, here we come. And I totally agree, Key. Like, I, I was shocked that there was no adjustment made. Because really, if you think about it, if you're playing 11-on-11 football, Buffalo should have won by three scores because Josh Allen is such a better runner than Mac Jones. They were playing goal line football in the middle of the field mm-hmm. is what they were doing. Like you said, one one fullback, a couple tied ends, the big receiver, which essentially to me is a tight end. But they had secondary guys out there when you shouldn't have that. If it's any pass play and it's man-to-man, your corner should be able to cover Nikhil Harry. Your linebackers or your strong safety should be able to cover any tight end they release. That's what it should be. And if they run the ball, you got enough girth and size to be able to dominate the line of scrimmage. But they didn't, for whatever reason, they didn't do that. Yeah, and now the question is, like, will, will other teams try to attack Buffalo the same mm-hmm. way? Like, to me, like, that is a flaw that until they fix it could really hurt them. Well, Bill Belichick was uh, asked about, also on the on the Greg Hill Show on WEI, the game plan the next time the Patriots see the Bills. Bill, since the weather made it such a wild game, will you be able to take anything from that uh, to use film-wise when you go to prepare for them at the end of the month? <laughs> yeah, we were talking about that last night. We can we can use our whole passing game. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all, all the pass plays that we have, they haven't seen. So <laughs> we can use all of them next time we play them. But that game plan has already been made. By the way, you know what I love about it, Mike? You didn't hear Bill Belichick giggle one time when he said that. Everybody else was giggling. Right, and you can say that's dry humor in his his behalf. It's so dry, but it's humor. also telling you the truth. It's like sheer fact. That's what's and funny it's about, it. about it, right? That's what's funny about it's it. It's incredible. It's like, yeah, this is actually they haven't seen anything of what we've been able to do in a passing game because we carried the ball forty six times. This is Mike T. What you just said, like Jay, like when you say the genius is in the simplicity. Not everyone who keeps it simple is genius, but there's a certain way that 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 Bill Belichick is able to keep it simple. And when you go, why'd he do this? You're like, oh, yeah, duh. Well, why doesn't everyone do that? He's able to keep it, like, classic. I'll never understand. That's why I just read what the coach sent me about it's not that Bill Belichick is a genius. He's anti-genius. It's the fact that he's smart enough to realize, hey, that wind is blowing. I might (laughs) want to run the ball because they can't stop me. Do what you do. Do what you do. Keyshawn J. Willemax is presented by Progressive Insurance. Deion Sanders is on the Goodyear hotline in 20 minutes. So, for now, from one former Alabama quarterback and Mac Jones to the current Alabama quarterback, Bryce Young, Bryce Young will likely become the first quarterback under Nick Saban to win the Heisman. But in a down year for quarterbacks uh, in the draft, you know, Young is not eligible to enter. Our NFL draft expert Mel Kuyper Jr. says if he was – if Bryce Harper was eligible right now, he wouldn't have to wait long to hear his name called. Um, here is Mel Kuyper, uh, Darian Mel, on Darian Mel, on Bryce Young and, and his placement in the draft. He would be the number one player on the board at any position by a significant margin. And at quarterback, it would even be worth discussing because there's no quarterback in his So Bryce field. Young would be the number one player in the draft, the number one oh. draft pick if he was eligible. This by year. a wide margin, in my opinion. He's well, a quarterback number one. He's a great quarterback, more importantly. In this show today, which we're only an hour plus into, he's drawn comparisons to Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, and Russell Wilson. That tells you all you need to know about Bryce Young. 
And I called him Bryce Harper. By the way, I'm going to do that more than once in the future. <laughs> like Russell Wilson, Russell names, Westbrook, here man. it comes. Bryce Young, of course, is who I was referring to. Uh, Mike T., what do you think about Bryce Young? So I was at the game on Saturday in Atlanta, and I'll tell you from a just breaking it down scouting report standpoint, he has tremendous arm strength, unbelievable accuracy and ball placement. He is really smart and can process information. On his 11-yard touchdown run, George is playing man-to-man, and how quickly he recognized the defense, and he took off. It was impressive. He is well-coached, and he has great talent. But he is small. And the part that I disagree with Mel's assessment is, over time, the bigger quarterbacks last. Justin Herbert, Josh Allen, and we've seen Tua Tagovailoa get hurt. We've seen Joe Burrow get hurt. And I know Kyle Murray's an exception, but Kyle Murray's already— He's been hurt, too. He's been hurt. Many times. Yeah, so to me, I like him, but my gosh, he has to live in that weight room in the offseason because that would be a big concern of mine. What's the weight you think he needs to get to? They say he's listed now at 195. When I when I look at him, I'm like, I'm 195. 185. I'm 195, and I know how I'm built. He don't look like he's 195. So what, what would be a legitimate weight for him to get to in order to have sustainability at the NFL level? Yeah, 195. <laughs> the, no, pro- the, problem, the problem, I think, and, and Mike knows this, the problem with him, let's assume he's 185 for conversation's sake. If you start trying to tip him over 200 pounds, you now lose what he is, okay, his ability to move around. Because he's not – first of all, he's not going to be able to put on that type of mask yeah. in a short period of time. It's just not. His body, his frame doesn't allow that. It just doesn't. I mean, he is extremely thin. And I've seen him in high school. And, in fact, we had on his head coach at the beginning of the season. And the one thing that Nick Saban talked about was he didn't really know how he would hold up. You know, he was like, well, you know, he's a little little small, but, you know, he's really good. And so we see that. You see it up close in person, Mike. He would be the number one overall pick. If you could stretch him a little bit and widen him out, by far, man. Mike, Best Mike. dude I've seen in – Man, I know we talk about Andrew Luck and Trevor Lawrence and all that. Just close your eyes and don't think about the size. Best dude I ever it's seen in college weird. football it, as a quarterback. Really, best, best ever. That but, I've but, ever but, seen. But, but, without, way, without respect to size. Without respect to size. Yeah, yeah. By the way, this whole year we've been saying there isn't a generational quarterback in this year's draft coming up. You know what I mean? Like we – this is crazy how it just kind of came out of – you start looking at the numbers. It's like almost – But he's not realize, in this draft. I understand. Yeah. But still, we weren't even – even if he wasn't in this draft, though, Max, no, here's we would have been talking about him from the top of the season in yeah. that kind well, of manner. Well, here's, I have a question for you, Mike. So, Key brings up an interesting point to me. Not just the height, right? And even if he's lived in the weight room, you can put on masks, but some guys' skeletons are just small. Like, they're yeah. small-boned. Yeah, yeah. He looks small-boned. Yeah, no, that's part of the draft process is you look at them anatomically, how much weight and is a good weight to Key's point. But when you look at guys like Russell Wilson, Kyle Murray, like, they're thicker in the lower body and – Russell Wilson is is a strong guy. Mesomorph. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and to me, like with Bryce Young, like again, I want the Chevy Tahoe. I want the Escalade. I want guys that are built to last. That was something that Coach Parcells talked about for twenty five years. And there's a reason Ben Roethlisberger has made this song. There's a reason Tom Brady, Philip Rivers, Peyton Man. Like there's a reason. Like you look at Cam Newton. Cam Newton's a chrome. Like. He's played out of That's high different. Yeah. yeah, that's big dudes, man. Yeah, they are big, big dudes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and outside of, and Mike knows this because he's done the draft for a thousand years, outside of Kyler Murray, 
them type of size dudes ain't going in the first round like that, man. Yep. They get that. Doug Flutie could play in the NFL. Pat White could have played in the NFL. Russell Wilson is going into the Hall of Fame. He went in the third damn round. Yeah, and okay? also Russell they Wilson. They just don't. That's not just not what they the do. Drive. How about Jalen Hurts is 6'1", 225 pounds. And he looked yeah. He looked look, too look, yes. Yeah, but, but like Jalen Hurts, Drew Brees, second rounders for a reason. Exactly. They were short. And they're going to push him. The NFL is going to push him down. The only way that Bryce Young becomes the, the number one overall pick is if Bill O'Brien all of a sudden gets the head coaching job of getting the NFL. Mm-hmm. And, and, and Bill O'Brien says, I had him. I know what he is. Cliff Kingsbury-ish, sort of, kind of, air raid. I'm doing this because I think it's going to work. I, I know it's going to work. Lincoln Riley's a friend of mine. I get it. Yep. I, this is going to work for us. And here's the other thing, though, Key, but when you do that, let's say you go four wides and you try to spread it, he's going to have a lot of balls batted down because you know, like, Key, they're going to push the pocket, get their hands up. And, again, I'm not trying I, – I loved him. I, I was so impressed watching him. Maybe he grows. He was – Yeah, uh, maybe. He's only yeah. 20. One other quick point I want to make, guys, is I think we've underrated this whole Mac Jones narrative. Mac Jones kept this guy on the bench a year ago. Like, Nick Saban's going to – play the best player, and when you see how great Bryce Young's been in college, think about the fact that Mac Jones beat him out. It's interesting. Well, Maybe Mac Jones had every yeah. like passing record. Yeah, but Mac Jones was older. I can see that. And Bryce bigger. Young was coming from the prom. But but but, but you know, like unlike other coaches, like Nick Saban's going to play the best player. Yeah. You know, and like I, I, I was watching that game, thinking like it was oh. close. Though Nick said he, he said it was said, really close. Right. And my point key is like when I'm watching Bryce Young dominate this great Georgia defense, I'm like, my gosh, like. And I like Mac Jones a lot, but it's still <laughs> remarkable that he went 15. Yeah, Mac Jones. Mac Jones is not the ball isn't coming off of Mac Jones' wrist the way it is coming it off. Flicks of, it. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, it just looked different. That's I mean, all the football. Hey, by not the way, only did it look different, but key like the other thing was 40 yards down the field. The accuracy was unbelievable. I'm so glad he, I'm comparison. so glad he decommitted from USC though. So glad he did, because if he'd have gone to USC, we wouldn't even probably we'd have screwed him up. You wouldn't know what to do. We wouldn't know what to do with him. You know, football basketball selects out for height. There's a reason guys who are like you know seven six, yeah, like go first. Yeah, exactly. Football selects out (laughs) for size. I mean, it's a real thing. Obviously, there's a reason for that. So Dan Orlovsky on Get Up said the following about where Bryce Young would go if he were eligible to be drafted this year. Bryce Young? Yeah. Oh, number one. Absolutely. Easily. In, in number teams, one pick in the draft. Yeah. And, and the, 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 Houston's got the one pick right now. Houston would be ecstatic about right. it because yeah. Bryce Young reminds me a lot of Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> Just the flick of the wrist, the ability to, you know, make those throws from the pocket where his feet are a little bit scattered, yet accuracy and velocity. velocity. His creativity as a runner is spectacular. The awareness, just yeah. the, where everything, he's going so fast, but everything around him seems like it's going so slow. He will be the number one pick in the draft yeah. in two years, um, but he would be one this year. Can I go? Yeah. Yes, right, it's yeah, your floor. Oh, my gosh. I mean, we all love Dan, but, like, Carson once was, you know, the best player since John Elway. Sam Darnold was going to go to Carolina and be the league MVP. I mean, we love Dan, but, my gosh, like, a million things. Like, we don't know who the first pick in the draft is going to be this year. Next year, like, we have no idea what's going to happen. And there's reasons to like him. And, again, I love Dan, but, gosh, I wish he evaluated me coming out. I may have been an NFL player. <laughs> yeah, well, well Dan, Dan is excited about the situation, but there's a lot of things that factor into a guy like this being the number one overall pick. And I mentioned it a minute ago. You have to have somebody who has conviction on who he is and feel good about the situation. If we get into four wides and empty personnel all the time, like Mike talked about, you got defensive linemen that are bat balls down because of his height. 
He's at a disadvantage. There is a reason that the smaller quarterbacks are pushed down in the draft and big giant Carson Wentz's of the world, Justin Herbert's of the world are elevated up to Vinny Testaverde's because you want to be able to see that guy deliver that football when mm-hmm. it come out. I played with Doug Flutie in the Pro Bowl. You know how hard as hell I'm running across. I'm like, where's the, oh, there's the ball <laughs> because I can't even see him. Yeah. And so it's just a, it's different. I wish he could become the number one overall pick, and I hope that he does. But I don't know unless he get a special situation like Cliff Kingsbury and, and Kyler Murray. Because, again, if we were running a franchise, guys, we want something that within reason has a chance to have sustainability and history is just going to cut against Bryce Young. And knowing his character, he'll do everything he can within reason to get bigger and stronger. But every team, and that's why I would push back on Dan, like if you're running a team, you're taking a risk. Now, it's I, not I just, the same thing because, Jay, I'm sorry, it's not the same thing because sports select out basketball for height, football for size. But, like, there are exceptions to every rule. And I think about Mookie Betts right now, one of the best players you'll ever see. He's 5'9". I know baseball doesn't select out for it the same way, but it's not like size doesn't matter yeah, in baseball. A little, it does. It's, it's a little bit different, though, Max, because when I have uh, some defense alignment that's 300 pounds. Yeah, it can end your, it, that, yeah, end yeah, your season just, just like that. I, I remember, and you remember this, too. Eddie Canty, I think that was his name. He was with us. Mm-hmm. He was small, like little. They were going to find the next Wayne Corbett with us. What's small? Dude, that dude might have been 5'7", 150. Oof, in the they, NFL. And, and Charlie Weiss wanted him out of Delaware State or one of them Delaware schools. They had him on kickoff return. Oh. And, but he was quick and stuff. Yeah, he bro. got hit. Coach Parcells goes, <laughs> yeah, I feel bad. That guy's going to get killed in this league, man. Yeah. And we couldn't because it was, it was so small that you just felt – like, man, if somebody get a hold of this dude, yeah, and he would have maybe he would have worked out, maybe not. All it takes is one, though, guys. You know, I I, I remember Jerry Reinsdorf would talk about this back in the day. It's like, hey, you know, other people can have their consensus. It just takes one GM to say, ah. and he would always say, "There's always one." And you get Steph Curry, and you get and you get Steph Curry. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, he always one yeah. that believes they can find but, the next Steph Curry, they can but, find the next Kyler Murray. But even like the Steph Curry's, I think the context here is really important. Like. He was not the first pick overall, no. and he he willed himself Great. and worked himself into someone that was sustainable. And to me, again, like Jalen Hurts, Drew, like those second round quarterbacks work their way into having a long career. When you draft someone overall number one, like we're 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 having questions about Saquon Barkley. Look what he looks like. Thank you, Mike T. As always, a Super Bowl champion who may have just mm. won an even more important title. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. G-Sean, J-Will, and Max, the podcast. 
Keyshawn, J. Will and Max, ESPN Radio. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. All guests join on the Goodyear Hotline. And we are now joined by the greatest cornerback who ever lived and Jackson State head coach right now, Deion Sanders. Prime, what's going on? First of all, I'm a little upset with all three of y'all. I watch you every morning, practically. Mm. And you guys are reducing me down to radio. <laughs> or, or I want to see my face, man. Like, like I want to see you guys when I talk to you. I want to see your manner. You know, I love me some Keyshawn from day one. Out the box. I've been loving him. And then, and Jay brings it, what keeps it 100. And Max, since you don't got up in there, it's off the chain. I love it. Yeah, I, I, I'd I rather have you. I, hey, Prime, I'd rather have you on TV, too, but... You know, you got to wake up, man. You know, we we trying to let you get your rest. Hey, hey, hey Sam, get, get me on with them next week on. I don't oh. care we in Atlanta before the game. So oh. during the week sometime, I got to get on. I got to be seen with them. Oh, done. Like that. Done. I got that's, you. that's done. But, Prime, you know you got your done. own reality show on TV every day. Like, on social media, it's crazy the amount of clips I see of you and what you're doing with your team. It's really incredible, man. We don't have no budget. <laughs> we don't have no school budget. So I got to do what I got to do. I got to stay visible. I got to keep these kids' faces out there. We don't even like we have a budget, man. Yeah, no, I, I know it's, but that's why it's, that's that's why it's amazing to have somebody like you in their lives. Because when you think about it, man, you won the SWAC title this year with no budget, like you said. And when you think about it, it's it's amazing that you, in your second year. You can go ten and one, take care of business. How difficult was it at times, considering you did miss a little bit of time? Well, I tell you what, going back to the spring, it was that was the toughest time because we knew we had the coaches, we knew we had everything we we needed, but we didn't have the personnel. So literally, we we let seventy over seventy guys go. We had to because we needed the guys with smart, tough, fast, disciplined with character. And we brought in a bunch of new guys uh, because we missed on quite a few athletes. You got to understand that was during the pandemic where you mm-hmm. couldn't go to their homes and you couldn't see them face to face. It was a lot of stuff over Zoom. You can't Zoom character. Mm. You know, you can't Zoom smart. You can't mm. Zoom tough, fast, and just, you can't Zoom that stuff. So we missed on a few guys that spring, but we got it right for the fall and we couldn't wait to show what we have because a lot of guys we had recruited for that remarkable class weren't eligible. I can't wait till you hear this class. This class is, is going to take it up another level. We're good right now, but we got an opportunity when we sign all these kids to be great. We really got an opportunity to be great. Prime, I know that you guys are going to be obviously balling out, but how do you feel about all this movement that's been happening in college coaching wow. from Lincoln Riley happy, to man. Brian Kelly? It's, the amount of money is in, it's incredible. I'm happy because there's so much uh, – so many resources in college football. You know, Key knows that, man, especially coming from a major program like USC. It's incredible. I love it. Um, a lot of people are upset because the minority is not getting the same uh, opportunities as others. But you got to understand, a lot of these guys that are going from place to place and to these majors, they're proven as well, man. They, we got to give it. We got to give it. Say it like it is, man. They're proven. They've done it. They've been there. We just want some of uh, the minorities to just at least be on the list, man. Just, just get the interview. Let's get the interview. Give us the darn interview. Mm. Not for crying out loud, but an I interview. Do, uh, yeah. Just give us the interview. I mean, e- even uh, your network, which I love, you're, you're putting us on uh, ESPN2. You're putting us on ESPN. We played on all your your, your, your networks. 
But when you do Sports Center, can we get a darn mention? <laughs> we just played on your network and we can't get a mention. Mm. I don't understand that concept. How can we play on the network and don't even get a mention of our score? Just put us on the ticker. That's all we want, and we're good. Yeah, I, I don't get it sometimes. Our network, other networks, other ADs, presidents across the country, because not because you are a friend of mine, but I know your character. I know your ability to motivate, but I also know your intelligence as a football coach and as a football player, but not to be seriously considered after a magical season at one of these real jobs out there. It's just, it's mind boggling to me. Let me ask you this, Prime, because you played in a couple Super Bowls, won a couple Super Bowls. How does the SWAC title compare to your Super Bowls that you won? Keyshawn, you know what? That's a great question, my brother. Nothing compares to it. I mean, I, I love the Super Bowls. They were great. I love even competing in the World Series, although we didn't win. But all the work that goes in, you got to understand, you got to be Tyler Perry at HBCU. You, 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 you got to write the show, produce the show, act in the show, sell the show. You, you got to do everything at HBCU. It's not, a, it's not an easy task because of the lack thereof of resources. So nothing compares to what we accomplish together this season. The coaching staff, the support staff, the young men that uh, play for me, nothing compares in my life mm. that a – you got to – and then my kids are here, though. You, my kids are on the darn team. So not only am I winning, but my babies are winning and they're maturing, and I get to see them play. I can't take my eyes off the game because the quarterback and the safety is on the field, and so I can't take my eyes off the game. It's amazing. You're listening to someone it. who said nothing compares to it. He said, played in the World Series. By the way, Deion just didn't play in the World Series. Deion's a hell of a baseball player, no. leadoff man, that center ain't even fielder. The, that ain't even the kicker. The kicker is I played in a football game, got in a damn helicopter yeah. to go oh, play in a baseball, baseball oh, game. Yeah, yeah, ridiculous. But also, there are so few players in any sport ever who achieved the level of greatness Dion did. Not just Hall of Famer, but I'm talking about the inner sanctum, upper echelon, who went back and coached. Like, that's not something that almost anyone who has Prime. ever has touched Dion's level, very few ever have, usually has gone to do. Prime. And Dion, you're saying this is the best experience ever. I'm sorry, Jack. No, okay. is, man, I can't lie to you. It is. You got done. This is what I can't stand, guys. Jay, Keith, Max. This is what I can't stand. A lot of these movements that has transpired with a lot of these coaches, I'm happy and elated, especially I'm happy them taking the, the financial aspect of it up because we come in. We come in. When I say we are several African-Americans that can do the job. But who do you think doing all the recruiting? We are. Mm-hmm. You know, I know that. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. The question. okay. When you know that, I just hate that these guys that's doing all the legwork <laughs> are not getting identified. At least. Put them up, man. Break them off. Do something. Give them the light. Let them shine or something because you get in the bag, but you got all these other dudes that you know who doing the work to go into these homes because every uh, college football roster comprises of at least 70% of African-Americans. And who's going in those homes, locking them down, securing them, building that relationship, building that trust? We are. Mm-hmm. And, Prime, I, I wanted to say thank you. I, I saw you did something the other day in which you dropped knowledge on, and obviously it caught a lot of chatter on social media, but you bringing Brittany Rayner in and just having her discuss how she has people in her DMs and how she goes about that process, 
Like, what, what makes you think outside the box to do things like that, to prepare young, your young athletes to better help them navigate off-the-field decisions, which we know are probably even more important than on-the-field decisions? Yeah, you know, one thing about men, we, we're so prideful that we don't talk. But if we ever talked and discussed things, we would be so much farther than we are today. And the things I've been through, I'm pretty sure the things Key's been through, the things, Max, things you've been through, no one talks about it. I would be $20 million probably stronger in my account if I had somebody teach me that kind of game when I was in college, mm. at least. A lot of mistakes I made. When I was supposed to stay right, I took a left, thinking this was that and it wasn't that. And I had no one to teach me that game, especially from the female perspective of what's what. And when she came in and brought that game, first of all, the commonality is that she attended Jackson State. She was a, a, a all-swag performer in soccer. They won the swag championship. She fell in love uh, after her sophomore year and left college um, to, to follow this dude. Broke her heart and all that. She ain't saying all that, but that's the real, real of it. And that, that's why she, she, she's, she's kind of tough-minded right now. But for her to come back and put my youngsters up on game, it was phenomenal. And some of the questions that were exchanged was phenomenal. I think like that because that's been my life. And no one's ready to tackle that kind of stuff that we fall to the trappings of life. That's one of the trappings of life. We're not going to get around that, especially right now in this Instagram social media society. That's all everyone's doing, trying to get off in them DMs. I got to protect my kids, which I mean, not my sons, but everybody that plays for me that's in this program. I got to protect them and correct. Everybody's not going pro, but they're going to have a relationship. Mm. You are. You have just listened to one of the greatest athletes in the history of the planet Earth who's now giving back to the game he loves so much. Key? Tell, tell your boy I said congratulations on player of the year, too. Oh, thank you, my man. Thank Congrats, you. You know the thing about it, Key, guys like you – Whenever we get opportunity, I always like you to just pour into them. Oh, the things absolutely. that you know from the receiver's perspective, from the maturation perspective that you guys are, I like you guys to talk to him because he needs to see other levels and avenues of success because you guys are very successful and you have a voice. Mm. That is Deion Sanders, ladies and gentlemen, on the Goodyear Hotline. Prime, thanks a million. Keyshawn, and by the way, we're going to get him back next week apparently. Yeah, yeah see you all next week for sure. Sam, make this happen. Yeah, you know, there I love it is. Heat, man. All right, baby. All right. Make it up. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out electric e-bikes today. The number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus! Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C ebikes.com. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, 
Who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. The Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max podcast. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max on ESPN Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 80, and your smart speakers. Dr. Pepper, call in line 888-SAY-ESPN-729-3776. The question all day has been described last Monday night's, or last night's Monday night football game in two words. Earlier in the show, we got three-word descriptions. We got fake-word descriptions. The assignment is not that hard. Who's going to tell me I understood the assignment here? Uh, Randy in Georgia. You're on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max. What you got? Morning, fellas. Morning, Randy. What's up? Hey, uh, my two words are paint drying. Appreciate y'all. Paint drying? It's not bad. I mean, if you're not into that kind of game, paint is like as boring as watching paint drying. Yeah, it was. A, I mean, it wasn't like an intense like I actually, electric watch. I actually enjoyed the game. Me too. And I had, you know what? I got to, I got to. Because I know it. how to take my mind and make it so that I can make it interesting because I'll find out how to make it exciting and stressful for myself. It's like I watch an ID network. I figure out how to stress myself out and scare myself. It's just, it's just interesting to watch a, an NFL football yeah. game where they basically never pass the ball. But it wasn't even passing. It's, it's for me. It's watching the offensive line dominate the yeah. line of scrimmage. No doubt. And then the intense, like, oh, my God, are they going to come back? Oh, they did all this hard work, and they're getting ready to allow this team to come back. You know, yeah. that's – There was drama. It's yeah. more so the conditions, like the weather, the conditions, the fact that Bill Belichick on the sideline, you know that the – it's just the Bills, it was their division, they're losing it, the Pats, are, it, it's all of that. High stakes. One. Yes. Drama, as Key said, high stakes, as Jay points out. Ryan in Indiana, two words to describe last night's game. Hey, good morning, guys. I got Buffalo bulldozers for you. Buffalo bulldozers. Oh, because, oh, see, the Patriots are the bulldozers of Buffalo. But when you say Buffalo bulldozers, it sounds like the Buffalo Bills are the bulldozers. Or it could be Buffalo got, but what is too many? Too many words. words. (laughs) Three. Yeah. Buffalo bulldozed. We already talked about the criteria. Yeah, we've already we've been through this. All right. Um, Ron in California has a Bryce Young question. What you got, Ron? Well, my question is, why can't like Bryce Young have a red shirt year so he gets drafted a year early? And like Pat Mahomes, I know he played one game, but you cannot touch the field, even if it was a defensive end, you know, and you want to develop and you want to put some muscle on it. Why can't they change it out? That way he doesn't get hurt in college, but, you know, he can start well, he's not eligible some NFL experience. Because he's not eligible for the draft this year, period. So, and so for two years, right? So eventually he's going to get drafted. And are, are, I, I think he, next, year, next year's draft, he's eligible. Two right. years mm-hmm. he's been in school, two years. He has to be in school and graduating class three years removed from high so school. So it's not really two. It's, it's two drafts. Yeah. Sorry, right. So the point is that I think the suggestion seems to be, guys, if you draft him, you essentially redshirt him in the NFL. Yeah, but, yeah. but he, it's, that's not the problem. The problem isn't if he can play in the NFL. He can play in the NFL. There's no question about it. The problem is, do you want to take a risk on a smaller quarterback like that? Forget who's drafting whatever. Is the – Team that has a number one overall pick that need a quarterback looking at him and saying, we could have this quarterback for 10 years. Is Matt Rule saying, I like Bryce Young. I want that. Is he, or the Pittsburgh Steelers saying, I want Bryce Young. 
I wonder if the game starts to change where you start to draft a guy who might you might think has half a dozen years good years in him, but you maybe win a Super Bowl in that time. I, I guess back, what's I, the difference? Because you drafted Sam Darnold, he ain't on the team after four years. Right? I go back and Daniel Key's Jones point. on his way out too. I go back to Key's point before though. All of a sudden, Bill O'Brien maybe gets a job opportunity, and he's falling in love with a guy like this because he's been around him. Yeah, that, right it coach. happens. Yep. Yeah, get the right. Maybe coach. maybe he becomes a giant. I'll take him. I'll take him, Jay. I'm, I'll, I'll take him I'll, all day. Just, let's stay focused on Russell Wilson. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. I'm with <laughs> you there, too. Corey in Tennessee, we got a minute here, Corey. I'm going to make this quick. I, the Vapors, these marquee. That's what they got. The va- the remember the Vapors? Remember that key? They caught the Vapors. Yeah. So, wait, who caught the Vapors, though? Now, I want to say this to Keyshawn before you uh, run me off the phone. Okay. You told me to call you back. In week twelve, yeah, and you said, uh, "Oh yeah, Washington, yeah, they'll be two and and ten, two and nine and all that." Look, then came back and we got y'all next, and we gonna surprise y'all. I ain't these. know y'all because I don't play for the Cowboys. I play for ESPN. We ain't got a football team last I checked. <laughs> Look at you. You you trying to get out the study, but you told me to call back and you said uh, all that about the Cowboys, and I watched. Yeah. No, you know me. Hey, if they, hey, put it this way. If if y'all beat the Cowboys twice and win the division, they need to blow everything up in Dallas. KJM is back tomorrow with Washington head coach Ron Rivera. That ought to be interesting. Plus, Kurt Warner. As you know, Greeny is next here on ESPN Radio. Back, We're back in the morning. ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Check the guys out live weekday mornings from 6 to 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio.